with you, but uh, today we'll be in the book of Galatians. If you have your Bibles with you today, we'll be in the book of Galatians, and we'll try not to keep you. Uh, I'll, I'll say this: when you're gone for nine weeks, you, you think a lot about a lot of things. <laughs> and I started to, uh, you know, well, we know that I've been preaching messages, but uh, this week I have been uh, studying. And uh, I told my wife earlier, I said, I don't know how long we're going to be at church this morning uh, because uh, this is getting really long. Uh, I tried to uh, break this thing apart and it wouldn't work. And then luckily this morning before we left, I said, I see where I can break this apart. Uh, we would have been here a long time. Uh, normally I can fit all my thoughts and, and the things that Jesus has shown me in a page, and I got seven pages uh, on this one. And I said, that's not going to work. <laughs> we, we don't need to be at church that long, and y'all don't want to hear me that long. Uh, but uh, Lord being our helper today, we can, we can split this up and uh, maybe enjoy this over a couple of weeks. Uh, but we'll be in the book of Galatians chapter 5, uh, verse 22 through 23. If you would, when you get to Galatians 5, 22 through 23, if you would please stand uh, to pray reverence to the reading of the Word of God. Uh, Galatians 5, 22 through 23, the Word of God says this, is, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for once again allowing us to assemble together here this morning. We thank you for your spirit that's already with us. And Lord, I, I thank you for my home in heaven. I thank you for all the blessings and this fruits of the spirits, Lord, that will go over here this morning. We, we thank you for your, your humbleness. Thank you for dying on the cross to save a sinner like me. Lord, I pray that nobody leaves this place this morning without coming to know you in a, in a place that there is no sin no more. Lord, we thank you for the love that you placed in our lives. And Lord, I, I, I thank you for just... Continue to watch over this service. In Jesus' name I ask, amen. You can be seated this morning. Now the scripture, if you read chapter 5, you, you have a lot of things that are going on. Uh, it talks about the things that the Spirit gives you victory over right before this. And, and then it gets into Galatians 5, 22 through 23, and it specifically calls out uh, the fruit of the Spirit. And it calls out multiple things. If you read uh, King James, if you read uh, most of them, there's usually nine different things. And uh, they'll translate them different things, but they pretty much all mean the same. Some of them are a little clearer than others. And we'll be using a few different words to try to help you understand what these things are really saying to us. But uh, the fruit of the Spirit, I, I really want to start first on talking about the fruit and helping you understand, we know that as Christians today, we talk about bearing fruit. We talk about uh, the fruit tree that bears no fruit, says it's not worthy, it needs to be uh, hewn down, to be chopped down and burned because it isn't uh, fit to be uh, growing. Now, to help us understand what the word fruit is, you have the word uh, used here that's translated fruit, which is carpos. Now, uh, carpos is... Uh, we think about the tree, we think about how it bears it. It's talking about a natural way that something produces energy in a living organism. That's what karpos means in the Greek. It means something that it's energy that's being bared naturally in the body. And I think about something about breathing in our bodies. You know, it doesn't really take me anything to breathe. I do it naturally. My heart beats naturally. I don't have to force my heart to beat. 
uh, every second of every day. I'm glad I don't because we'd all die. Uh, That's not something we have to focus on. And it happens in the medulla oblongata. I've been uh, reading a little bit this morning, not to get real technical, uh, but that the very base of your brain, a little small portion right there, your spine and your skull meets your brain. You have the medulla oblongata, and the medulla oblongata controls your your involuntary voluntary things that happen without you having to think about it, okay? It's the thing that pretty much uh, controls and does everything that you don't have to think of constantly to keep you alive. And we, we also have the Holy Ghost, if you're a Christian, that enters into your life that gives us the fruit of the Spirit that should enter your life as being a fruit, uh, but the fruit of the Spirit, the same word that's sort of describing involuntary things that we do, uh, the Spirit into, enter, enters into our life uh, to to help us do things involuntarily. You should naturally do these nine gifts, these nine fruits that the Spirit gives you without even thinking. You think about a fruit tree that grows fruit. Do you think an apple tree literally has to think about growing apples? It just naturally does it because that's what it does in nature. Your body naturally has this heartbeat and this breath because it's programmed into us. It's the base of the brain. The same way as the Spirit is the base of our life, we should have that same kind of of fruitness, that same kind of things that come out of us naturally. And it is by this, it is produced in the life of a believer by the power of the Holy Ghost. It is by the power of the Holy Ghost in your life that gives you that fruit that you don't even think about. Ain't that good to know that I don't have to try to be any of these nine things? Now, if you try to be these nine things, I guarantee you can give the illusion that you are, but I'm glad it is a gift. It is a fruit. It is something that's given to you by the Spirit. Now, in these two verses, there are nine fruits of the Spirit. And like I done said, ain't no way I'm going to preach all nine, but we're going to get three. All right, I'm going to cover three of them because I grouped them in three groupings after I started looking at them. We have three different fruits that we're going to cover, and it's the very first three. So if we look at that scripture, it says, But of the fruit of the Spirit is what? Love, joy, and peace. Now those three are different than the other six. The first three are what? Uh, They are an emotional gift. They are an emotional fruit that you have. They are something that you experience inside that really nobody can tell that you have it, but you know that you've got it. It's something that you may keep pinned up, but Lord help us if we don't keep it pinned up, but it's something that you should have within yourself as a Christian today. And I'm not talking to the lost people today. This is a fruit of the Spirit now. And this is a fruit of people that have been saved by grace. Now, you should have the fruit of what? The very first thing uh, that Paul writes to the letter to Galatia is that they have the fruit of love. Now, love, I, I think it's so important That is the very first thing that Paul calls out. You have these nine fruits of the Spirit, but praise God, when Paul calls out the things you're going to have, the very first thing that Paul mentions is love. And I think that all these things hinge on love. We can assume this is the most powerful, most representative attribute that we can receive of the Holy Ghost. 
If you've been saved today, this is what you experienced. You've never experienced before until you got it. Until you've been saved, until you've been washed in the blood, you may have thought you loved before, you may have thought you loved people, but praise, praise God, when you got saved, when you accepted Christ, you had a love that you don't understand anymore. It is a love that hinges on everything that you do. Everything you do is based upon the love that Christ showed to you. It should be. Lord help us, a lot of us don't. But you should reflect the love. The first fruit is love. Everything hinges on it. And that's why we're going to start there. The word translated from love, most of you have heard it as agape. Now, there's a lot of words used for love in the New Testament, the Old Testament. There's a lot of words. Now, we only have the word love in the English language because we dumbed it down a little bit when we got to the English language. But this agape love, it is a love that's spontaneous. It is spontaneous. This is a love that pops up uh, for no reason whatsoever. We can't understand why we love folks, but we do. Why, why we love things, why we love people, why we love the sick, why we love the church, why do we love people that hate us, why do we <coughs> love people that put us down? Now, when I read and I've studied the Bible, I want you to realize I've gathered something about love. There's four things that I really see very clearly that the Word of God shows us from the book of Genesis all the way to the end of Revelation. We must love God. We must love each other. We must love ourselves. And we must love our enemies. We must love people and God. We are falling beings. We are inherently sinful creatures. I automatically am born into a life of sin. And I want you to realize something. We're very limited in how much we love. We are. We have hate naturally in our lives. We have hate for certain things. Some things make us angry and we just decide right there we hate to say, Zach, I don't hate anything. I want you to know something. If you look up the definition of hate, it is an extreme dislike. <laughs> I've heard somebody say for a long time, well, I just, I just really don't like them. That's hate. <laughs> hate is an extreme form of disliking. You can make excuses for it if you want to, but all of us probably have some sort of hate in our life, and that's opposite of what Jesus teaches us. It's opposite of what the Spirit... You don't see that the Spirit gives us a fruit of hate, do you? He has a fruit of love. A fruit of love. Now we're limited, but in 1 John chapter 4, verse 8, it says, He that loveth not knoweth not good... For God is what? God is love. To have God is to have love. To be saved today is to have love within yourself. There, I've seen so many people have so much hate in their lives. They go through life and they seem so sad. They seem like everything's against them. Or so, they're mad at the world. They, they sit around to sulk all the time. That doesn't sound like a Christian. That does not sound like somebody that's been saved. That does not sound like a son of the true and living God. Now, God is love. And God's always been love. God was love when He took the animal skin and He placed it upon Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. That was love from God. 
He could have killed them right there on the spot. God was love when He stayed with Moses even after He killed a man. God was love uh, when He went to Job and even after He took everything from him, He doubled everything that Job had. That was the love of God. The love of God was with Moses. Uh, uh, the love of God was with Isaac in the land of Moriah. Uh, the love of God is with us through everything. He's parted the Red Sea to save His chosen people. He takes care of us. Uh, he rained fire for our life on a mountainside to defeat Baal. And I want you to know that Jesus was with us because God so loved the world. Jesus loves us. very first fruit is love. Love is the answer. That's it. You say, Zach, I don't have an answer. I want you to think about something. I've had a lot of people ask me questions about Scripture. I've had long phone conversations. I've had uh, times that I've got to sit down and study uh, particular things because I've heard things taught and I say, I don't agree with that. And then I study and sometimes I end up agreeing with it and saying, well, I guess I was wrong. Uh, but a lot of times I'll, I'll study things and, I, and I'll look to it. You know, the most of the time, if you can answer something, uh, you have a question about Scripture, just think about it in love. Think about it in love. Jesus loved you so much that He laid down His life. And answer that question scripturally from that. I can't find an answer to this in Scripture. Well, answer it with love. How would somebody that you love, how would you answer that question? The answer so many times is love. And, all, and love always finds a way to dry tears and calm fears. I want you to know that this morning. Love dries your tears and it calms your fears. You don't have to face the world alone because He loved you so much. The two greatest commandments when Jesus was asked, what is the greatest commandment? He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind. Have no other gods before me. And it says, the second is love thy neighbor as thyself. Jesus calls that two commandments, and I've preached that multiple times, but I've never noticed that both of them have love involved. The most popular, the most biggest thing that Jesus told you to do is love folks, love God. Loving people. In the end, all the way back to the end of the book of Revelation, you know what wins? Love. The love that Jesus had to come and die for you and me. That's the love that we should have in our life. Love prevails. Love conquers. You got problems in your home. You got problems in your church. You got problems at work. Go love them. Go love people. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. The next fruit is this, the fruit of joy. Now, you should be able to just say joy to yourself and smile. Joy makes me smile. When I read this, the word joy, I, I, get, I light up when I read that word. Every time that I've read that piece of Scripture this week and I got the joy, I smile and I can't control it. I don't know why, but when I read it, I, I immediately realize the joy that I have in my life. Yet we know that it's not happiness. This is not saying that the fruit of the Spirit is happiness. Happiness uh, is materialistic. Happiness is uh, getting a new car or, or getting a gift or, 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 or your kid hitting a home run. Or, that's happiness. This is joy. Okay? It's different. A joy 
is something that we see in John 15, 11. This is even with the cross coming, uh, Jesus tells his disciples, he's headed to the cross now, and Jesus tells them that, that my joy might remain in you. My joy. Uh, Jesus, even in the midst of the cross, uh, the shadow of the cross might have even been on his back. Uh, he wanted his joy uh, to go to the disciples. Now, today we have, we have that love, uh, but praise God, another emotional thing that we have is joy. We have not happiness, but joy. Uh, you know, I think of heaven, and I want you to think about this really, really abstractly. If you think about what heaven is really made of. Now, now heaven, we, we know that there's a picture painted walls of jasper, and we have the dimensions of it and all this kind of... We can maybe picture a, a real heaven, but I like to think that the real heaven is made out of joy. It's just joy everywhere. Everything that is there is just joy. Zach, I can't physically think of what a joy looks like. I can't neither. That's what makes it so good. Okay? It's just joy everywhere. You see, John, when he gets up there, he starts looking around. I believe it's around chapter 5 of Revelation. You see John start to cry. Because they couldn't find anybody worthy to open the seals. Everybody in heaven was in such a rage, such a bad time. And we see John weeping, falling down upon his face. And, and the one that sat upon the throne, the one that was in power, he came off of his throne. He went down to John. Praise the Lord. He went down to John and said, it's alright. There cometh one that's worthy to open the seals. Now there is no more crying from John in the book of Revelation. It was worrisome. It was heartache. It was despair. But praise the Lord, when you have the Messiah in your side, when you have Jesus as a focal point of your life, if you can see him from a distance, just as they did when they say, I go a fishing, and they look out and they see Jesus, you have joy. There was joy that entered into John's life. There was joy unspeakable. There is joy in Jesus Christ this morning. No matter what you're going through, the fruit of the Spirit is joy. No matter how many weeks we missed here at church, you can sit at home and be full of joy. No matter how much we struggle getting back into this and back into a church walls and trying to have structured service, it's still joy. There's still wonderful love. I love y'all. And there's still joy within each and every one of us. Without God's joy in your life, everything will become a burden. You ever felt like everything you did was difficult? Everything become a chore? Nothing seems to be fun anymore? Boy, I've had those. I've had weeks. I've had months where it seems like it was just a burden for everything. It was so hard to get out of bed. And though it was so hard to get out and go to do things and accomplish things. But I'm glad that without God there is no joy. But the fruit of the Spirit, what you got if you're saved today? Is joy. Praise the Lord. You should put a smile on your face, church. The third thing that we see is also an emotional thing. You have the spirit of love. You have the spirit of joy. I'm smiling again. And you have the spirit of what? Peace. We preached that for a little bit when we got over in Psalms about that peace that He gives you. But... This word peace here, which we also talked about in Psalms, it means the same thing over there. It talks about rest. He gives you rest. He gives you peace. You know, today, in today's time, today's job market, you could be laid off tomorrow with almost anywhere that you work. I could be laid off this week. I don't know. There's nothing promised. 
today's job market, today's uh, relationships. We have uh, over 50% of marriages that, that end in divorce. And people lose that sense of peace sometimes when they're in a marriage and they don't know what's going on. We have stock markets that crash and people lose their retirements. They, can't, they don't know what's going to go on in their life. You may have it through a relationship. You may have it through work. You may have it through finances. You may have it through all kinds of things that may give you unrest, that may keep you up at night, that may make you feel tired every time that you go because you have no peace that you need to be able to get through life. I have experienced places that I did not have the peace that I needed. You know, your money will not last. Your money won't go all the way to heaven with you or hell. It's going to stay right here. Your job may not last. Your marriage might not last. With everything tumbling down around us, we have a surety of failure no matter where we go. Did y'all know that? No matter where you go, you may face failure. Isn't that sad? You may get halfway home and your tire blow out. You failed on getting home. And we have that, that sense of that we lose that peace, that we lose all these different things. We lose peace because of this. But in Philippians 4, 7, it says, In the peace of God which passeth, passeth all understanding. Praise the Lord. The peace of God that passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. If there's one thing I can say I struggle with daily, I may have love and I may have joy like I'd like to, but I'll tell you, church, honestly, I suffer having peace all the time. The spirit of peace. Knowing that everything's going to be taken care of. Knowing that no matter what I face, no matter what I struggle with, bills are going to come. Sickness is going to happen. Heartaches will happen. Deaths will happen. And I have to trust God that it's all in His control. That's the true definition of peace. Is the acceptance. Is the acceptance to know that all these things will happen and I'm going to keep going. Because in the end, I win anyway. In the end, I'm saved by God's grace. In the end, I, I've tried to live the, the good life. I've tried to run that race. But without peace from God, we're easily rattled. We're easily derailed. When serving the Lord, it takes just a little bit of adversity. And you're already ready to give up. I've been there. I can raise my hand and say, when you face adversity, I have given up before. I have tried to serve the Lord and it's been so difficult that I say, Lord, I can't do this any longer. I give up. How many of you, honestly, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands, but you said you know of a time that you had something God told you to do. You faced adversity. You lost your peace. You stopped. There's people that stop going to church when somebody says something ugly to them. <laughs> it happens. I've been in church long enough. I've seen it. We say somebody does something small. Somebody gets home to your child. I don't need to get on my child like that. You lose your peace. The peace that God gives you. I'm glad that God gives us peace. We think, I was thinking of peace the other day. And I say this a lot of times jokingly. You think of a cat going into a room full of rocking chairs. Everybody sitting in those rocking chairs just rocking. That cat goes in there and they're just waiting for that rocking chair to land on that tail. <laughs> they're just walking through, tiptoeing through. And I've used it as a joke before work. It's like a cat in a room full of rocking chairs. They're just walking through life and something's going to happen to you. You're going to face adversity. You're going to face pain. But what does the cat do? A cat. I don't know if you've ever seen a cat get in the road. It ain't like a squirrel. If you see a squirrel get in the road, it 
runs back and forth 500 times, and it finally just runs right in front of you and gets killed. Now, what does a cat do when it runs out in the road? Y'all understand what that cat does? It goes as fast as it can. It does what it needs to do. It avoids obstacles. It's smart. I'm not telling you how to be like a cat. And don't misunderstand me. I'm trying to help you understand that when that cat goes in that room full of rocking chairs, it can be nervous. It can be, it can be afraid. You can be going through life and you can be facing all kinds of worries, some fears, some things. But no matter what you do, just keep going. Go. Don't stop. Don't back up. Don't keep uh, trying to change your mind. Just go. Serve the Lord. Have peace. The cat has peace enough to know that He's smart enough to make it. The squirrel stops. <laughs> How many squirrels do you see on the side of the road? You don't see a whole lot of cats. The cats are sharp. That's what we have to be as Christians. The cat has peace. You should have peace today. You should not have unrest. You have the spirit of peace that passes all understanding. No matter what you're going through, no matter what you face in life, you can go through life knowing that you have that peace, joy, and love. As they get a verse of some song ready, I want you to think about this. I want you to think about God. I want you to think about God and His infinite wisdom, His infinite power, His, his omnipresence, His omniscience. Think about Him being rattled. Think about God being troubled. Think about God being worried. Think about God being nervous. These are all things that you all experience, but they are not fruits of the Spirit. These fruit of the Spirit, these emotional ones here, are love, joy, and peace. Do you experience those things? Do you today have peace in your life? Do you have love in your life? Do you have joy in your life? 